Nå er det tid for nordisk på trikk. Welcome to our podcast featuring interviews, music, folk tales, and lots of hygge, all with a Nordic flavor. I'm your host, Eric Stavney. Nå kommer den skandinaviske teamen med det beste av skandinaviske musikk. I'm your host, Doug Warney, with lots of friends with the best in Scandinavian music from all the Scandinavian countries. Stay with us for the next hour for great Scandinavian music, news, and interviews. And that became my acquaintance with the Scandinavian Hour radio show, produced, aired, and streamed three times every weekend out of the studios of KKNW in Bellevue, I'm amazed it took me this long to notice and listen to the show, for it had been playing on some radio station in some incarnation in the 30s, 40s, and 50s when, in 1959, it was hosted, first hosted and produced by Doug Warney and Ron Olson. This is the story of that show, the producers, my involvement for a couple years, how it struggled through the COVID epidemic, and where it stands today with the new host and what its future looks like. So it began with a young 20-something-year-old Doug Warney and his buddy Ron Olson, both graduates of Seattle's Ballard High School. Warney had just returned from attending Oslo University's International Summer School and had been introduced to Norwegian culture, where he stayed with a host family, practices Norwegian. They had actually several languages they spoke in the house and discussed politics. Doug has told me he left the United States as a naive young man and came back an adult world citizen. And when he came back to Seattle, Doug had heard about journalist Sven Gilja, who was giving his last broadcast of a music variety show called The Scandinavian Hour. Doug thought the loss of this institution was tragic, and so he picked up the mic and headphones and roped in his friend, and now who became his business partner, Ron Olson. The show has aired on several different radio stations over the years, KBLE, KXPA, KKNW, All AM Radio, in studios small and even smaller. The partners concentrated on what they did best. Olson handled the music for the show. Warney did the writing and advertising sales. But when they started, Ron had maybe five albums of Scandinavian music, which they hoped would get them through the first couple months. Ron picked up hundreds of new records and tapes on his trips to Scandinavia. And then, as technology changed, it became CDs, and his collection grew to hundreds of albums. Once a month, they announced community events in the greater Seattle area, being held at the Sons of Norway, the Swedish Club, Danish-Finnish-Icelandic Fraternal Orders and Societies, as well as concerts exhibits at the Nordic Heritage Museum, later to become the National Nordic Museum. At Christmas time, they had two 
two-hour shows. One was on Christmas Eve Day, and the second was on Christmas Day proper of music and people telling stories or vignettes, as they called them, of their experience having a Scandinavian Christmas in their homes. But studio time was and is expensive. Ron and Doug had to show up early in the morning on a weekend to broadcast the show, at least until they discovered they could pre-record the show. But the program required a studio technician, someone to play the songs from the vinyl records or the cassette tapes and then what became the CDs, and a broadcasting service to send out three shows every weekend. This required selling advertising and writing ad copy. I never got a chance to meet Doug's partner, Ron Olson, unfortunately, before he passed away in 2008. But thanks to a fan of our Nordic on Tap podcast in the Scandinavian Hour, Tom MacArthur of Spokane Valley, Washington, I've learned of a TV broadcast recording featuring Ron and Doug from 1975. Doug and Ron show up in the recording around 11 minutes in. And so the segment with Ron and Doug begins with Eric Bia saying how strange it was for him to arrive at the Seattle airport, get in a car, and start tuning the dial to find a radio station. And suddenly these voices come on talking in Norwegian and English about Scandinavian things and how surprising it is that such broadcasts exist in America. And in fact, one of these programs is here in Seattle, the Scandinavian Hour. So, Bia introduces Ron Olson and Doug Warney of the Scandinavian Hour, who walk onto the stage. He asks if they are broadcast professionals, and we learn that they are hobbyists. Doug is an English teacher by day, and Ron is a civil engineer, working for the city of Renton, Washington. Bia asks Ron and Doug to read a commercial, and they have pulled up an ad from their archives about Johnson's Scandinavian Foods, which later became Olson's Scandinavian Foods and has since, unfortunately, closed for business. Remember that place well. It was great. Doug begins, and then Ron follows with, There, you can shop for... The next time you're preparing a party smorgasbord or even family dinner, may I recommend the smorgasbord store, Johnson's Scandinavian Foods in Ballard. There you can shop conveniently for Scandinavian foods imported directly from Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, and for specialties made here according to cherished old country recipes. For your smorgasbord dinner, try fiskeboller, fisk pudding, schinke, silte, tittebär, spikkechut, lefse, crispbread, and many, many varieties of imported cheeses and canned goods. When you're preparing for a party or family dinner, Think of the smorgasbord store, Johnson's Scandinavian Foods, in the heart of Ballard. There's more of Ron and Doug in the rest of that Lurdogsqvell program. I'll put a link to the show on our episode page on our website, nordicontap.com. Along with the music that Doug and Ron played, they also, especially Doug, and I mentioned this before, did interviews on the order of five or ten minutes long. Uh, anybody Nordic that Doug found who seemed interesting, he'd yank out a recorder, or, or now has been his cell phone for several years, and he'd asked where they were from and what they were about and why they did what they did, kind of a slice-of-life man-woman-on-the-street kind of thing. Here, for example, is Doug interviewing the Finnish ambassador to the United States. I think it's uh, Mikko Hautala. In 2021, and he's talking about or asking about cell phone technology. 
In case you think that sounds like a random subject to talk to a Finn about, I remind you that Finland has long led the world in developing mobile technology. Uh, sometimes it's called the mobile capital of the world. That's where Nokia is based. It is our pleasure today to have the ambassador from Finland, ambassador from Finland to the U.S., to join us on this morning's program. And I listened to one of his presentations and was fascinated. Ambassador, we're still struggling with G5, and you tell us that Finland is already looking to and working on G6. What does that mean? Well, it basically will mean uh, faster and better connections, which will enable not only people and their mobile devices, but the whole economy, uh, things, uh, industries to connect. Because the future economy is going to be data-driven, it means that uh, uh, one really has to has this, have this technology in order to be competitive. Uh, on the 6G, uh, it's still in the research uh, process. So Finland is having a national flagship program for 6G. So we are concentrating a lot of resources, researchers. They're also collaborating uh, globally with other institutions to speed up the process. But we want to be in the avant-garde of this process because we know that uh, in 10 years of time, it's going to be the G we are going to talking about. And Finland's going to be there with all the answers. Uh, most of the answers. I, I try to be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> but you are working on now. Is that government funded or is it collaboration only or how does it work? It's government funded plus collaboration with companies. Uh, so. Uh, Obviously, as a small country, we have to join our forces, so uh, the companies and uh, the government are working together. Well, keep us posted on G6, so we know what's going to happen and we can look forward to it and be part of the revolution. Thank you for joining us. Yes, I will be here in November, so you'll get, get an update uh, by then. Okay, thank you very much. And now let's go back to more music. I sat down with Doug in 2020, about the time he was turning 80 years old, to talk about what it was like doing the show all these years. He is 83 now as I record this podcast. Ron Olson, my partner for all the years since 1959, since we were doing it, he and I split the work. He, he took care of the music and the recordings, and I took care of the advertising and the guest list and that sort of thing. So the interviews you do on site with a person, you don't have to bring them to the studio, correct? I used to. I used to have to do that. But now with modern technology, I can I can do that anywhere. And actually, the best of all places to do it is my car because it's got a lot of upholstery. I shouldn't be revealing my technical secrets, right? Let's go back to the kinds of sponsors that... Uh, you've had, I remember, appliance stores, funeral homes, uh, old folks' homes, a shipping concern, uh, as in uh, boats, uh, restaurants. Can you c come up okay. with some other, other concerns that you've gotten? I guess you could divide it up into a couple of different categories. One category is a, a business owned by a Scandinavian, either from the old country or that was born here, but they identified with their Scandinavian roots. So they want to keep their business and they know that their fellow Scandinavians are good, reliable customers for whatever service they provide. And so they 
and they wanted to support the program. So they bought ads knowing that they would get both. They would get customers and they would support a cultural activity. Then there's another group of customers, of advertisers, who, whether it's an American or a Norwegian or whatever, they discover because of the nature of their business, they are selling to Scandinavians. And that's particularly true of the people that bought ads who were, who were uh, selling to or marketing to fishermen, commercial fishermen. The commercial fishing fleet is heavily weighted in Scandinavians, as is the lumber uh, industry or logging industry. We don't, I don't remember ever having a logging industry person. I guess I'd have to be in Aberdeen or someplace like that to, to find companies that could advertise. And then the third category was somebody who realized that I am surrounded by Scandinavians. Let's speak to them because I can do it rather cheaply or inexpensively. I don't have to buy an ad in the Seattle Times for $5,000 or, or TV. And I can meet, I can meet those people um, where they live and that I'm right in the middle of their neighborhood in Ballard. So a lot of the Ballard merchants or the North End merchants that had uh, Scandinavian neighbors uh, advertised on the program. And the Scandinavian neighbors, of course, started perhaps in Ballard, but have moved north and also east across the lake. But uh, businesses recognizing that, that that's a good source of customers have bought ads on the program. So those are basically the three different kinds of advertisers. And as you pointed out, we've had, oh, and then we try and have advertisers. I look at any group of people and I look at the Scandinavians and say, well, what is it they're buying? They're buying groceries, particularly they're buying Scandinavian groceries. They're, they have to have funeral services. They have to have a bank. They have all the standard things. And we would try and have at least only one person or one advertiser in each category so they weren't on the, competing on the air with each other. I used to think you were ubiquitous. Every time I turn around, there's Doug Warney. But that that is, I think, is is the beginning of being able to to, to sell. I when you know when we do when we've done the 17th of May parades and ridden together in the car, uh, people are shouting your name from the sidelines from the beginning of the parade to the end. You're well known, and your name isn't on the side of the car. They, the Scandinavian hours on the side of the car. But, you know, we, over the years, whether I had the program or not, I would have had a lot of friends because I I focused on going to Scandinavian events and that sort of thing. Right. That's what found friends and found a lot of friends. And it was fun to, to see them at various venues. And certainly the parade was one and they did wave. Uh, high school compatriots, they came up to the car sometimes. Ron unexpectedly passed away in 2008. And Doug has said, you know, he could have given it all up at that point because Ron was his buddy, his partner. And he said, I, I had to keep going or the spirit of Ron would have haunted me. Well, when he died in 2008, the work fell all to me. If we were going to keep the program on the air, I had to do it all. And I thought, okay, I can do that. As it turned out, he had been spending a lot of hours 
and I put my hours together with his hours, and it came came to be a lot of extra hours. Fortunately, I was retired from my main job of school teaching, so I did have some time to do that, and I did that for um, eight or nine years, and then finally I just said, you know, I'm spending too much time in front of the computer and doing this program be on the air for an hour and it takes hours and hours and hours to prepare for it, I need some help. So I went on the air with one of the programs and said, you know, I'm not getting old and tired. I'm just getting tired and I need some help. And if you would like to help with production of the Scandinavian Hour and have some skills in that area or would learn some, I would appreciate hearing from you. Well, I got six or eight people that were interested and Eric, you're one of them, and Seth Tuftelund was another, and the fellow that runs the Scandinavian Delicatessen, Bjorn, was interested, and then there were a couple of ladies, and there were a couple of other guys. So it turned out to be winnowing down. It was Eric Stavney, Seth Tuftelund, and Bjorn Brood. Bjorn Brood, and I. We were the leftover guys, and we did it. And it worked pretty good. We rotated the details about the music, and we all tried to sell ads, and some were successful and some were not. But it was nice having somebody on the air with whom I could interact. And that was also a very important key, I think, to keeping the program lively rather than one person doing all the talking We could talk back and forth, and each of the people had different backgrounds. We also had the difficulty, have always had the difficulty, of people who are Scandinavian, who came from Scandinavia, saying, well, I want to hear the music that was in Scandinavia when I left. Well, some of them left in the 50s, and some left in the 60s, and some left in the 70s, some left in the 90s or 2000. So we have to have a little bit of music from each of those eras to please the people that look at the program as being representing something that they left behind at home. The, I think the ones that were born here, they probably don't care what decade it came from, except they don't want really old-fashioned music if they're the young people. And they're, you know, second, third, fourth generation. But anyway, so whoever is the guest host has to balance those those needs against what music we have to use. And that's hard. And uh, so it's in prep work, it required some time and effort. Certainly the typing of it, just the transposing of it from the CD to the script uh, consumed a great deal of time. And nobody was paid for being on the program. So it's nice to be there. And I guess it's good for your ego. And it's fun to be on the radio for a while. But pretty soon, if it's just for fun and you are doing a lot of work on it, they maybe said, this is too much. And then to be on the air, to keep the program on the air, we had to sell advertising. And the people that were trying to be uh, part of the program had to go out and hustle and see if they could sell some ads. And that was not very successful. And that's part of the problem of all radio stations is you got to sell. And yet to sell, you need to have 
have a tough skin because you get a lot of rejection. Not many people. You have to talk to people and and get to know them and they get you know their business and keep bringing up. Well, you really need these people. The listeners are fantastic. They're they're a nice group of people and they're loyal. I mean, I, I remember. I mean, long ago, some one of the sponsors was a lighting company, and they were in the north part of Belltown. And he said, you know, I had two little ladies that listened to your program, came all the way up. They were shopping at the Bon Marche, and they walked eight blocks up 2nd Avenue just to come to our store, and they bought each bought two light bulbs because they were sponsor, we were sponsors of the Scandinavian Hour. And those are the, I mean, we, we have loyal listeners who try and support the sponsors, and that's been great. But getting those sponsors is tough, and some people were able to do it, some were not. And I would say that's kind of been your special gift. Obviously, you wouldn't have been on the air. What, what are we saying now, 65 no, 61 years. 61 years? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the 60s. So I would submit it's your vast connections, which I know you maintain, your network of, you know, with the knowledge of, of the program, with people in various lodges, you know, especially Sons of Norway. But can you speak to the kinds of response you've gotten uh, how they come to you, what people have said, what kind of feedback you've heard over sponsors, the years. The sponsors or the listeners? The listeners. They don't call me up and inundate me with messages, but I see them at functions and they say, oh, I always listen, or I missed last week, or I sure hated the song you played last week, or somebody has, several people have said, what was the name of that song? The third one in on the program last Saturday, would you write it down for me and let me know what it was? Cause I, I want to get a copy of that someplace. Uh, one person that I, years ago I talked to said, Oh, I listen regularly. I said, yeah, but you're a Jewish person from New York. Why are you listening to the Scandinavian art? He says, Oh, Years ago, I was in love with the Finnish lady, and I can't get her out of my system. So I listened to the Scandinavian Hour because of that. And then another time, a, a listener said that, <coughs> said, well, you're kind of young to be listening to the Scandinavian Hour. We, our average age is quite a bit older than you. How, how, we're glad you're listening. How come? He says, well, I was a sea scout. And our boat was down at Fisherman's Terminal, and every Saturday I went down to to uh, work on the boat, clean it and paint it, and that's what Sea Scouts do. And the guy one boat over was a Scandinavian fisherman, and Saturdays he had his radio on, he turned it up really loud so he could hear, and we all had to listen to the Scandinavian hour, and I just got used to it. So, so that's how we got him. And, yeah, others... Uh, They'll, they'll miss it. They'll get part of the program. So that brings us to the, the retirement decision. You want to speak to that? Okay. Um, it just has got to the point, first of all, where because of COVID and that kind of stuff, the, the things were kind of teetering on, can we continue or can we not continue? And I didn't want to fight the battle of doing that. Um, 
It needed a new business model, not so much dependent on commercial advertisers as focusing on if the community wants it, the community needs to pay, pay for it, pay the airtime. Nobody, as I say, takes a salary. So airtime is the major, major expense. If we can get the community to pony up that expense, the program will remain on the air. But anyway, I said, you know, I really don't want to be tethered here so much as the program does that. I want to be free. You know, I'm 82 years old. I've got, I don't know how many. My mom lived to 99, so I'm getting that. And if I want, I want to see as much I can see and do as much as I can do in those years that I've got left. Um, and I've certainly enjoyed the Scandinavian Hour, and, but I want to enjoy other things as well. So that's why I said it's time for somebody else to take over. Both the business change and the fact that I wanted to change what I was doing. When Doug was contemplating retirement in December 2022, things were looking really bleak for the show in terms of being able to have enough money to continue uh, working with the studio every month. And so they decided this was the break point. They would make a decision whether to continue on with the Scandinavian Hour or, or whether they had community support and the funding to keep going. And in fact, so far, here we are in July 2023, they are holding steady. Seth Tufteland as host and Doug is still selling ads to keep the show going. So I talked with Seth about becoming the host as he is now in July of 2023. I enjoyed so, your your lead in. That's that was really cool to hear your voice and so It was a lot of fun being able to listen to it and I was able to have actually everybody in the kitchen at the pancake breakfast. We had it playing and so they all got to hear it and it was kind of a proud moment to be like, yeah. So um tell me about what kind of time did you put into making the the script, you know, to announce the songs. So it would take me, I would do it in two different sit-down sessions. Some of the, especially the Finnish and Icelandic names are a little trickier for me learning Norwegian. The Swedish and Danish is similar enough, but Finnish being a completely different language base than the rest of Scandinavia and Icelandic being so close to Old Norse with extra letters that are only used in Icelandic and Faroese language. So it takes about an hour and a half each sit-down session to go through the CDs and find a good mixture of both vocal and instrumental and separating up the country so that you're not putting three or four tracks in a row from the same country. That way there's a nice mix. There's been a couple CDs that I've played that the feedback I've gotten from other people is, please don't play that anymore. (laughs) At least you've got some feedback. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's few and far between, but there are some that do give some feedback, and which is nice because otherwise you have no idea how people are perceiving how you're doing. <laughs> right. Or and potentially also, where you can move them to. <laughs> right. It's also been a struggle. Doug had always played 
mostly old time folk music and a lot of the older artists. And because his show is, he'd been doing the show for 61 years, his fan base, if you will, were all majority in their 60s and over. And for any radio program to survive, you have to be able to adapt with current times. And so I found it always a bit of a struggle trying to introduce some more modern, younger Scandinavian music in because it wasn't it wasn't the norm. It wasn't for the current targeted audience, which is older. So you see the need to introduce a younger audience is critical to the survival of, of any show, I guess, or this one especially. And the show will die off too if we don't introduce a younger audience with it being on an AM radio station. Not many younger people listen to AM radio. But you can now listen to the Scandinavian Hour outside of AM radio anywhere in the world on your computer or your phone. Those shows are streamed on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 and 9 a.m. Saturdays and 6 a.m. Sundays Pacific Time. And so, when you tune in to KKNW AM in Seattle or go to thescandinavianhour.org and click on Listen Live Here, after a delightful hour of music and perhaps after hearing the community events being announced or an interview or a book review, you'll hear... Farvel for Denagongen. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Hour. This is Seth Tuftland, your host, along with friends from the broad Scandinavian community. Join us again next week at 9 a.m. here on KKNW. And remember, support your fine sponsors and tell them thank you, as it's they who make this program possible. I've enjoyed people hearing me on the radio and coming up to me at events. Oh, I heard you on the radio this morning. That That is really cool. Mm -hmm. And having Matthias and Kaya listening to the show and they're like, that's daddy on the radio. Here's looking forward to several more years of folk, jazz, pop, polka, dance, and choral music on the Scandinavian Hour, as well as those community events, announcements, and interviews. It's truly a service to the community. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to surf over to NordicOnTap.com to see pictures of Doug Warney, Ron Olson, Seth Tufteland, our favorite technician, Eric Burris, the radio studio, and you can find links to that Lerdogsquell broadcast with Eric Bia. Please leave us a comment on that episode page down at the bottom, such as if you are an appreciative fan of the Scandinavian Hour, I'll pass that on to Seth and Doug, or write us at nordicontap.gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. And you're cordially invited to help sustain the Nordic on Tap podcast. You've heard the struggles here for any show, really, to raise the funds just to keep the lights on. And you can help with that by clicking on the Buy Me a Coffee button at Nordic on Tap. I'll skip the coffee and just pay the utility bill. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts or ask Alexa or Google Assistant to play Nordic on Tap to hear the latest episode we produce about once a month. I've tried it. It works. 
On several of our podcasts, including this one, there's a little bit of bonus content after the outro song, so check it out. Our opening music is Inglis Waltz, composed and performed by Alfred Morton Heurup, and accompanied by fiddle player Ruthie Dornfeld. They both have websites. Our outgoing music is composed and performed by Daryl Jackson at daryljacksonmusic.com. I'm your host, Eric Stavney, saying, Viseus Nestegong. We'll see you next time. Hade bra. Shikilaki, shikilaki, yaspun bö. Julekaki, julekaki, jämbart brö. That was Ron and Doug on that TV show doing a Russa Rupa, a Russa chant or cheer, one of the many rhymes shouted by crazed and sometimes inebriated high school graduates every April in Norway celebrating finishing school. When you graduate in Norway, you are officially a Rus, originally named for the red cap you were given, so the Rusarup is a Rusachir. It took me a while to translate this, and it's basically gibberish. The only part that is recognizable is Yulikaka, Yulikaka, Yembakt Bre. Christmas cake, Christmas cake, home baked bread. Crazy, huh? Well, I did get to co-host the show for a couple years, which was a lot of fun. I do remember one particular incident where I definitely got egg on my face. It was the show before a 17th of May, or on the 17th of May. I think that was airing on a weekend, and I asked Doug, hey, I would love to introduce the playing of the Norwegian National Anthem. Uh, let's say a little bit more about that other than just name it. And he said, Okay. <laughs> and so I told this story about hiring the Redwood Symphony when I was working as the entertainment director for the Norway Day Festival in San Francisco. And so I related how the symphony took its place on the stage and started to play. And they played the Norwegian National Anthem, the first several bars, all in unison. And I was so disappointed. I thought, here we have a full symphony. Everyone's playing the same note. Well, they redeemed themselves in short order. They then broke into multiple parts, and there was a drum roll at the end. It was absolutely spectacular. So with that buildup, I said, and here is the Norwegian National Anthem. Well, <laughs> well the radio station inserted the wrong song probably because of my own error. And later when I heard the broadcast, it wasn't Yavi Elskadetelande. Instead, it was some other big pan piece like... Some kind of Sousa, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> I was pretty embarrassed. And I sure hope the king wasn't listening. Well, I didn't mean to be a tease, playing the Stars and Stripes forever for only a few bars. So I thought I'd give you the whole thing. Here it is, courtesy of the United States Marine Corps Band in 1999. <laughs> 
we shouldn't ignore a full version of Javi Elska de Tilonne, composed by Richard Nordrock, and the lyrics by Björnstern and Björnsson. This is played by the United States Navy Band in 1994. 